What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me. This is your Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Rico, and I am your host. I'm also the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Sports Ethos, and you guys can hit me up on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button over there, and you guys get links to my shows, which go up Monday through Friday. All my Twitter content, typically I post a thread. Now, I haven't been doing it so much this week because I am technically on vacation. I'm still doing shows, but I'm trying to take it easy a bit on Twitter this week. And you guys also get links to my articles, which go out Sunday afternoon on sportsethos.com. This weekend, I wrote about my midseason fantasy awards picks. So I picked my fantasy Cy Young, my fantasy Rookie of the Year, my fantasy uh, Biggest Disappointment, uh, a few different things. So go over to sportsethos.com or to my Twitter page. You guys can find it uh, on either on either platform. Yesterday was one of the more eventful days, uh, eventful evenings, I guess, of baseball that I've seen in quite a while. Uh, Four games went into extra innings. Uh, My Blue Jays lost in extra innings to the White Sox. We saw the Angels uh, lose to the Royals in 11 innings, 12 to 11. The Padres beat the Diamondbacks 3 to 2 in 11 innings. And there's one more. The Guardians beat the Twins uh, 6 to 5. And actually, I believe, are like in a tie for first place now, from what I remember seeing there. Yeah. They are in a tie for first place, the Guardians and the Twins. Even though the Guardians have three less victories, it's a games played thing. Really crazy stuff. No one, I don't think, was expecting the Guardians to do well this season. Uh, I think a lot of that can be attributed to Jose Ramirez and the way he has performed. But you got to give credit to some of those depth guys as well. Uh, when you're talking about Owen Miller and Andres Jimenez, Josh Naylor, Ahmed Rosario, they've gotten contributions from guys who are not very highly paid and who are just kind of... I don't know. They're not very highly regarded around Major League Baseball necessarily. Just kind of fill in kind of semi-replacement level players, maybe slightly above that range, but not really. You know, they've they've been they've been really good for a team that's constructed the way they are. I mean, if you look at their pitching, they're they're fine. I mean, Bieber is really the only great one there. McKenzie has done a very good job as well, but. Uh, Hard to hard to say really why they have done uh, as well as they have done, but very interesting to keep an eye on the AL Central with the Guardians and the Twins at the top. The White Sox, you expect the White Sox will eventually turn it around there at some point. But this is not uh, a major league standing show. This is a fantasy show. So let's talk about a little bit of fantasy stuff. So we'll start with Shohei Otani. He had that game tying three run home run in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, he ended up going three for four. He had a base hit, two homers. Uh, he scored twice and he drove in eight runs. Holy shit. Eight RBIs from Otani last night. I think that was a career high. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a career high for him. Outrageous. Uh, totally outrageous. Eight RBIs. He hadn't had an RBI uh, going back more than a week. So really good to see him uh, fix that for you if you're in, if I mean, whatever kind of format you're in, it's obviously very valuable. But if you're in a head-to-head league, that's a great boost for you this week in terms of RBIs, early week RBIs. Now, I, I kind of debated leading off the show with this, and we're pretty much we're getting to it pretty early anyway, but Isaac Paredes for the Tampa Bay Rays. These guys, man, the Rays know what they're doing. The front office is sneaky. Uh, I, when, they, when this trade first happened, the Austin Meadows going to Detroit, Isaac Paredes coming to Tampa, my initial thought was, I, why would they get rid of Austin Meadows? You know, he's got a 30-home run kind of guy. He's young. I mean, they're both young. But going into the season, I I don't think many people would have thought that Paredes would be better than Austin Meadows. Meadows is still yet to hit a home run, where we've seen Paredes come up in 31 games. He has eight home runs. That's crazy, man. Like, you don't you don't trade with the Rays. That is rule number one in baseball <clears throat> for front office people, anyway. Do not trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, 
I mean, in my head, sometimes I still call them the Devil Rays because that's what I grew up with them as. And, you know, that name fits uh, the Tampa Bay Devilish Rays because this is uh, looking like another one of their steals. And when you look at Perez's numbers, they're pretty solid already. He's only striking out 14% of the time, which is which is pretty good. His batting average on balls in play is ridiculously low. It's 154. He's shown really great power, like I said, eight homers in 31 games. I don't know that I'm going to be jumping to add him in fantasy, um, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, let me go check his roster percentages really quickly. I don't think it's too high. Probably probably not very much at all. Only 2% rostered, and, that's, of course, it's gone up a couple percent over the last 24 hours. People are interested with the power potential, sure, and I guess with the Rays, people figure these guys know exactly what they're doing. He hits in the two spot for, I think it was the first time this season he was in the two spot, and he goes three for three with three home runs. So I do understand people wanting to take a chance on him in an extremely deep league, or maybe you just had a guy go on the injured list or what have you and you need a replacement. I don't mind taking a flyer on him. I don't think he's going to have value for very long. You're probably going to be, I mean, who knows, right? This is this is an outlier game, obviously, three home runs. But he had hit five home runs before in, his, in the 30 games prior. So it's not like there's no power there. There is power there. I just wouldn't expect anything close to this going forward from him. But the Tampa Bay Rays, man, they swindled the Tigers, it looks like, because Austin Meadows has been really brutal this season. He's been a drop for me in a couple of leagues. Uh, people are asking me, these last couple of weeks, should I hold on to Meadows? Right now, he's on the COVID IL. But to this point of the season, uh, even though the advanced metrics aren't too bad for Meadows, he's got zero home runs, zero steals. He's scored nine times. He's knocked in 11. It's very pedestrian numbers out of Meadows. So he's been moved on from in, in a lot of leagues. And like I said, I was really surprised that the Rays moved on from him, but they were never big on his defense in Tampa. Tampa Bay, uh, from what I recall, they were usually trying to DH him if they could, and they didn't like having him in the outfield. And now he's in Detroit, Austin Meadows. And Miguel Cabrera is the DH there. So there's no, um, there's no putting him in the DH slot most of the time. So they have to play him in the outfield where he's more of a defensive liability. So when you look at the way this trade is shaping out so far, it looks like a typical Tampa screw job of uh, whatever team that they're, whatever team that they're facing. Um, who else are we going to talk about here? There's a couple of rookies that I think are interesting to talk about here. Julio Rodriguez, he went three for four. He had two singles, a home run, scored twice, two runs, hit by a pitch, 25.8 fantasy points on Yahoo. He obviously is a front runner for rookie of the year, but... Bobby Witt said, hold my beer. He went three for five. He had a double, two home runs. He obviously scored twice, four RBIs and a walk. He had 40 fantasy points on Yahoo. He was the third highest scoring player yesterday behind Otani and Paredes. And man, uh, that American League Rookie of the Year race, <clears throat> I'm going to bring on some, uh, some of the sports ethos wagering guys next week to talk a little bit of some, some betting stuff. We'll talk some fantasy stuff as well, but we'll look into some of the betting stuff. And when I pull up the futures bets in baseball, Bobby Witt Jr. is plus 650 to win Rookie of the Year. It seems like he's not even really being taken seriously at all, even though his numbers are ridiculous. He's now got 10 home runs and 10 steals. Uh, I, I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility. In fact, I think it's definitely a good chance that he'll turn it on in the second half and he'll have a very good chance of winning Rookie of the Year. That'll be a question I ask the Sports Ethos wagering guys when I bring them on next week. But uh, I think it's a fair bet to throw a few bucks on Bobby Witt Jr. at, at, at six, six and a half to one odds. I think that that's pretty solid there. Two great rookies that are going to be the face of baseball going forward, for the, or at least two of the faces of baseball uh, for the next while, fantasy and actual Major League Baseball. So 
Yeah, uh, Bobby Witt is someone I missed on a little bit this season. Not that I <clears throat> said he was going to be bad or anything. I didn't really talk about him too much in the preseason. I mean, you guys who have listened to me since the beginning know that there wasn't too much preseason, uh, too much time in the preseason for me to do this show. I started at the end of March, so we only had maybe two weeks of preseason shows. I didn't talk about him too much, and I think if I did mention him, I probably would have said to stay away from these rookies. You never really know what you're going to get. He was going around pick 90, I think, somewhere in there. But, man, he has returned uh, unreal value. Both of them have to this point. Let's talk about a National League rookie for a second here, Nolan Gorman. Now, I dropped him in one of my leagues yesterday. It was a 10-team uh, team category league on Yahoo. And I saw someone tweet about how Gorman went off crazy, and I went and looked. This guy went four for four. He had two singles, two homers, and he knocked in four runs. Now, I really like Gorman. I think that he's going to be a good player going forward, but there's some concerning stuff. So the batting average on balls in play is 37, uh, 370, 37%, which is very high. League average is about 30%. He's striking out 32% of the time, which has always been a bit of a problem for his going back to single A and double A. He's typically in the high 20s or low 30s for strikeout percentages. He's only walking about close to 8% of the time, which is not bad, but the strikeouts are a bit of a problem. That's why I moved on from him because some of the advanced stuff, it's a redraft league, so I figured better options to be had on the waiver wire, and uh, I feel like shit because of it, because of today. Guy went off yesterday, it happens, uh, but what are you going to do? That kind of thing happens in fantasy all the time, and there's nothing you can really do about it. It's only a 10-team league. Uh, that one, there's not so much money on the line, so I'm not really too worried about it. But uh, Gorman is someone I talked about when we had Mike Carter on last week that could be a dark horse rookie of the year candidate in the National League. I think it's possible, sure, especially with Mackenzie Gore having a couple of bad outings. Uh, we'll see what happens with Spencer Strider. His odds have kind of moved around a little bit for rookie of the year. Not really sure what's going to happen there, but uh, I think Gorman, if he keeps, up, uh, keeps having performances like this, he'll have a decent chance. Let's talk about Dylan Cease for a second. This guy I must feel sick about yesterday. So he went six innings. Maybe not so bad because they ended up winning the game, but he went six innings. He had 11 strikeouts, only walked two, and gave up one base hit. Uh, he is going to be a complete stud in this league, no question about it. He strikes out more than 13 batters per nine innings, typically around that 10 strikeout range, and we've seen him take a big step forward from last season. Uh, the walks are still a problem for him. He lets a lot of, he, a lot of free passes. Uh, the whip is always going to be a little bit of a problem there. It's at 1.28. I think it was at 1.35 before yesterday. It's always going to be something that he needs to work on, but it's not going to stop him from being a, an elite pitcher here. Uh, we're, gonna, we're not going to talk about every single top player. I think Martin Perez we'll talk about for a quick second because he just continues to dominate. He went six innings, uh, six shutout innings against Philadelphia. He walked three, which was kind of annoying. He hadn't walked any more than uh, two since, uh, when was it, early in May. But, you know, you'll... <laughs> It's a small grievance there. He struck out six. He got the victory uh, shutout game. He's had that one bad start on the season against the White Sox. Other than that, he's been arguably the best pitcher in all of baseball, which sounds crazy to say, I know. But it's just the way it's been. Uh, Marcus Semien, his teammate, he has also figured himself out. He is now up to a two thirty one batting average, seven homers, 12 steals. Uh, the early season struggles are kind of behind him, I think. Now, is he going to be Marcus Semien from last year? 45 home runs, 100 RBIs? No. But he's still someone who is going to be a, a very valuable asset going forward. And I hope you guys didn't move on from him early in the season because there's still a lot of value there. There's definitely still a lot of value. Josh Naylor, I want to talk about Josh Naylor a little bit here. Now, I feel like the fantasy community kind of moved on from him before they really should have. I think Josh Naylor is a fantastic baseball player. And the numbers, if you look at his advanced stats, he's got the strikeout rate pretty low. It's at, uh, again, sorry, my Wi-Fi here can be can be kind of shit sometimes. So he's only striking out 16% of the time, which is very good. He's walking 8.5% of the time, which could maybe, you know, for him, I think it could honestly be a little bit higher. But 
it's about in line with what you could expect from him. So it's, it's not really much of a grievance, but I think he could be walking a little bit more. His batting average on balls and play is 298. So that's a, he's, it's pretty sustainable based on that, what we've been seeing so far. Uh, typically, when you see a, a batting average on balls and play over 350 or under 250, you're going to see it regress to somewhere in that middle range again. But he's already performing in that middle range. So I'm not, I'm not thinking there's going to be much of a change going forward based on uh, the batting average, which is currently sitting at 283. I think that that's sustainable. I think there's some good power there. He's in the middle of a Cleveland lineup, which has actually done a very good job. And I titled the show last week or the week before, uh, Why Did People Give Up on Josh Naylor? And I don't really understand why they did. He's only rostered in 36% of Yahoo leagues. He's providing top 200 value on the season, which is nothing to sneeze at. It's really not. He's not going to steal you bases, but he is going to score runs. He's going to hit home runs. He'll drive them in. He bats in the middle of a pretty decent lineup. I think that Josh Naylor is a really good candidate to pick up. Also eligible at first and in the outfield. I talked about yesterday how I like that combination. I think that he's a strong pickup if you need a bit of outfield help or even help at first base. A couple more guys we will talk about now before we move into some of today's matchups. And we have some great pitching matchups today, so we'll spend a decent amount of time on that. But Javi Baez, I think, warrants uh, a bit of a conversation here. He has hits in six consecutive games now, and he seems to have turned himself around. I know a lot of people had given up and dropped him, but you know he's got 30 home run potential. He can steal you 15, 20 bases when he's healthy. Uh, I think that people who held were wise. I know that there were people in 10-teamers who were debating back and forth if they should keep him or not. And... I know, you know, it's, it was tough. It was really tough for a while, batting under 200. He wasn't hitting home runs. He wasn't stealing any bases. He stole two bases earlier this week. Other than that, he only has one uh, for the whole rest of the season. We're now more than a third of the way through the entire season, and we're closing in on the halfway point. So it's definitely a concern to some degree that he's only got this much uh, production under his belt so far, but he's definitely turned it around over, these last, uh, over this last week. So hopefully you guys kept Javi Baez. If he didn't, if he's on the waiver wire, I think he's a strong add. Uh, Probably not going to be in too many leagues where he is available, but I know that there were people getting sick of Javi Baez. Uh, his roster percentage is currently at 84. So there are still leagues where he is available. Again, probably he shouldn't have been dropped because he's, he's known to do this, and he's a very streaky baseball player. And that when streaky players are not performing well, you, you kind of, if it is someone who is an established player like Javi Baez, you kind of need to hold on there. Uh, it's... You need to wait for the turnaround. You need to wait for at least some kind of a hot streak so you can sell them other than just flat-out dropping them. That's that's how I see it anyway. One more guy we will talk about from yesterday, and then we'll move on to some of today's matchups, is Jesse Winker. Jesse hit a home run yesterday. He's only got five to this point in the season, and it's been very strange to see uh, what he's done. I mean, obviously, going into a new location, you never really know what to expect from a player. It can be... Uh, you know, they can be turned around, leaving one destination for another, or it can really screw somebody over mentally to leave their coaches and their surroundings and possibly their families. Who knows? I'm not sure about the personal situation of Jesse Winker or what have you, but I know that it has not been a great first season for him in Seattle. But I am not ready to drop him, and he showed why yesterday. He had a home run. He knocked in a couple. He had a walk. Uh, I think that he is someone who can still have a lot of value in that lineup. Now, they're not a great lineup, but there are some definitely some pieces there, Julio and Ty France. There's some good pieces around him, and I don't think that we need to be moving on just yet. I know a lot of people have. Similarly, Tobias, you know, they're, they're very similar cases this season. Uh, they're both guys who, going into the season, were going in the top 100. I think Winker was going in the top 100, based on last season. I don't have the ADPs in front of me, but that's, that's where I remember him being. Uh, I think he's more of a, probably, it was probably going a little bit too high, honestly, just based on last season. But he did have 24 home runs, 71 RBIs, and he batted 305 last season. 
so you can understand why people were kind of expecting something similar to that. He did leave Great American Ballpark, which is a top two or three hitter-friendly ballpark in baseball, so that might have some impact. But I still think that we need to be waiting with Jesse Winker. He's only 57% rostered. People have, people have given up on him already, but I think that that's premature. I think that he's someone who can still be a back-end guy uh, in 12-teamers. He's not going to be great, I don't think, but he's going to be serviceable going forward. That batting average should correct itself. 214 is ridiculously low for him. He's definitely closer to a 300 hitter. He's got more power than he has shown us, and I mean, hopefully last night can be a spark of something going forward. That home run, uh, he's got three in the last month, so it's not great, but it's definitely better than, I mean, five for the whole season, three in the last month. You look at the small sample size and think, okay, he's starting it around a little bit. Uh, a lot of players that just take a little bit of time in their new destinations. We saw it with Marcus Simeon. We saw it with Trevor Story. It's not always, uh, not everything always makes sense in sports. In fact, they typically don't make sense. But a lot of thing, a lot, one thing that does tend to happen, uh, forgive me for the, for the vocal stumble there, one thing that does tend to happen is the more time you spend in a new place, the more acclimated you get to the conditions there, and you tend to see an improved performance over time. So Winker is not someone that I have given up on yet. I think that there's still hope, and that home run last night uh, was really a step in the right direction for me there. Now, there are a lot of great pitching matchups today. I can't go through all of them because there's literally, like, most of the games today have really good matchups. We're starting off with Carlos Carrasco and Luis Garcia. I mean, the Jays game is not much with Ross Stripling, but you got Lucas Giolito, who I'm looking to see a turnaround from Lucas Giolito. I'm hoping that we'll see a turnaround. Uh, he's been rough these last, uh, what is it, four or five starts. I mean, it's been one or two decent ones mixed in there, but hoping to see something better out of him now. The way that these series typically go, as far as, you know, in the time that I've spent watching baseball, which is a long time, when a good team like Toronto, they lose the first two games of the series, uh, the third game tends to go back their way. Even though it's Ross Stripling versus Giolito, I would think that the Jays are probably going to probably gonna do well tonight, and I wouldn't expect to see uh, I wouldn't expect to see greatness out of Giolito. I'm hoping for it, but I'm not really expecting it. Um, let's move on. Uh, so Carlos Carrasco and Luis Garcia, that's going to be a really interesting one. We're starting off at 2.10 p.m. Eastern time. Same time as the Blue Jay game, but this one is definitely more interesting to me. Two guys who have I, I, maybe not overperformed, but they're performing as well as we could have hoped going into the season. So great lineups, uh, great pitchers. It should be a really entertaining game. Not really sure what to expect. They've set the over-under at 8.5. Uh, who knows what to expect in terms of runs because they can both go off. Those teams can definitely both score a lot of runs. But at the same time, uh, like I said, very strong pitching. But this will definitely be a, one of the more interesting games to watch today, Carrasco and Garcia. Uh, Tyler Anderson and Luis Castillo with the Dodgers and the Reds game. That goes off at 6.40 p.m. Eastern time. Tyler Anderson is 8-0 this season, and he seems to have a new, uh, a new level this year. Last start was his near no-hitter against the Angels. He went 8 and a third. He gave up one earned run, uh, walked two, and struck out eight, which was tying, uh, which tied his season high. Something has changed this year, and, you know, you kind of have to think it's the Dodgers and their coaching. Uh, after spending his career bouncing around, not, not bouncing around, but he played for Colorado, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Seattle, uh, he was always just kind of a middling, uh, nothing to write home about kind of guy. And now we've seen him unlock something new here. I think it's a great matchup. Yes, it's tough hitter ballpark, but I'm liking Anderson here today. Luis Castillo on the other side, someone who I really like Luis Castillo. Although, if you guys heard the show last week uh, when I did have Mike on, I was saying, like, I drafted a lot of Castillo last year. And he kind of burned me, so I'll never really forget that. It'll always sting a bit, but I really think Luis Castillo is a fantastic player. I think he's a trade candidate, a strong trade candidate, which is... I think it's a shame, honestly. Uh, Cincinnati, 
what they've done with that team. I know they had a decent little core there. I mean, they could have pushed to re-sign Castellanos, I guess. Who knows if he would have stayed or not. But they, they just they just dumped everybody. They're going to dump Mali and Castillo. It's similar to what's going on in Oakland. Uh, you get you feel bad for those fan bases. and I, I think Castillo will be gone at some point. Now, in terms of today, it's a tough matchup against the Dodgers. So I'm probably sitting him. I don't have any shares this year because, like I said, last year he burned me too bad. I'm probably sitting him today. But I'm very interested to see if he can handle himself here against the Dodgers at home. Who knows? Maybe the Dodgers will be interested in trying to acquire somebody like Luis Castillo with Walker Buehler going down. There was reports that they're looking for a starter. Maybe they try and go for one of those Cincinnati guys, a Molly or a Castillo. I could really see them going for a Luis Castillo. They got a loaded farm system where they could pretty much pony up for whoever they want. I'm thinking that that's something that's possible. Uh, Let's move on. A couple more games here we'll talk about. Carlos Rodon and Charlie Morton. That's a great pitching matchup tonight. Now, Charlie Morton, someone I've talked about recently uh, over the last couple weeks, as of two days ago when I posted it, he was the major league leader in that time frame of two weeks with a minimum of 10 innings pitched. Uh, he was the leader in swinging strike percentage and called strikes plus whiffs. That's incredible uh, for Charlie Morton. You know, he's ahead of literally everybody else in Major League Baseball during that time frame. And we haven't seen him really be successful. I mean, this last start against the Cubs was really good. Seven shutout innings, three hits, nine Ks. But before that, there had been four consecutive starts of at least four earned runs. And, you know, the advanced numbers were a little bit better than the the actual numbers, but I think Morton is going to have to continue to prove himself going forward here or else he risk, uh, runs the risk of being used as, like, a long relief type going forward because, it's really again, it's really hard to say with the Braves. I've talked about it a few times over the last week. Hard to know exactly what they're going to do because they have so many viable pitchers, but I think everybody has to be on their absolute best for them to, uh, to have a guarantee. I mean, Max Fried's not going anywhere in that rotation. Kyle Wright's not going anywhere. Uh I don't think Ian Anderson's going anywhere either. It's it's tough to say what exactly they will do, but I think everybody needs to be on top form or else we're going to see uh, some shuffling around there. Carlos Rodon is his opponent tonight, and he's coming off of two straight excellent starts. They're both two-hit performances, one against the Dodgers, one against the Pirates. Walks have been a little bit of an issue with five issued over his last 14 innings, but he's also struck out 16 in that time frame. He started off the season looking, at, looking like a, a serious Cy Young contender. Kind of fell off a touch there in the middle. He had a couple of rough outings, uh, specifically one at St. Louis. That was really the that was really the one. Uh, he gave up eight earned runs. If you take away that start, uh, I'm not sure what the ERA would be. It'd be we looking at like a low twos ERA. So I'm still in on Carlos Rodon. I think again this is a bit of a tough matchup, but this should be a really interesting game here. Good pitching, good offense. Uh, they've set the total for this one at nine, so they're expecting there to be some runs. I think this will be a fun game to watch. One more game we'll talk about, or maybe we'll talk about a couple more, actually. Uh, Adam Wainwright and Eric Lauer. This one is another one that interests me. Now, Eric Lauer, we've kind of seen him fall off a little bit these last couple times out. The strikeouts have pretty much disappeared after we saw him there. Over a three-game span, had 13, 11, and then 8. This guy had 32 32 strikeouts over a three-game span. My math can be really shitty, which is why I like looking at these these different baseball sites that have the stats, and they tell you exactly what you're looking at, because... I was always more of an English person, not a math person. But uh, we were able to do a little bit of mental math there. 13 and 11 and 8, we're looking at 32. That's fantastic over three starts. That was a stretch uh, late April, early May. Now uh, we've seen him go back to, I mean, there was still a 7 and an 8 in there, but there was a one-strikeout game. There was a two-strikeout game, a four-strikeout game. Uh, We've really seen him fall off a little bit. Uh, I'd like to see a return to form here. And interestingly enough, that one-strikeout game came against the Cardinals, who he'll be facing today. 
His teammate, Corbin Burns, seems to dominate the Cardinals every time he faces them. But I'm really interested to see if Lauer is going to maintain value going forward or if he's going to be someone that we end up dropping because uh, we've seen a fall off these last couple of starts. Six home runs in these last couple of starts combined. Ugly business, guys. Really ugly business. But uh, again, I got hope for him. Uh, my shares in him have hope, but I think it, this is a tough matchup here. So if you wanted to sit him down, I would certainly understand it. And we're getting to that middle point of the week where you're maybe having an idea where your categories sit if you do play in category leagues. If you've got an ERA that's already like six or seven or something brutal, then you don't really have much to lose. If you're looking at like a sub one ERA, sub two ERA, and you want to play it safe, I'm not sure I'd be throwing out Lauer there. Uh, Adam Wainwright on the other side, I feel pretty confident in him. Now, the Brewers have been pretty abysmal offensively, uh, especially recently, but they're just not a particularly uh, intimidating team to me anymore, the Brewers. I'm not sure exactly why, but I mean, especially offensively, 16th in runs, 24th in hits, 24th in average, they're 20th in on-base percentage. They had a lot of home runs. They're tied for third in Major League Baseball with 90 home runs, but other than that, they don't really have a lot going for them. And they're facing Wainwright, who has not given up a home run in, in any of his last four starts. He's only given up five on the season in 79 innings. That's one of his strengths. He doesn't really give up a lot of long balls. So I think it's a good matchup here. I think Wainwright is a seriously strong play in both DFS and in season long. And, you know, I think we'll, we'll take a spot here to just talk about DFS. I've moved away from the DFS, style, uh, DFS side a little bit. I was helping to take care of a sick family member. And I was also trying to focus more on building up uh, Fantasy MLB Today, which is this show and uh, the season-long format, uh, that's what I focus on more. I do love DFS, but I do focus more on the season-long stuff. I wanted to put more of my effort into there. So for those of you I know a couple have reached out about DFS stuff, uh, I'm sorry that it's gone away. I'm still here to answer questions if you guys have any lineup questions, because I do still pay attention to it. I'm just not uh, – I haven't devoted quite as much time recently to it. But next, starting next week, at some point next week, uh, I will be getting back to those DFS pods. They might not be coming every single day, but at least a few times a week, I'll be putting out some DFS content. And I will start to try and do it more on Twitter as well. For those of you who have asked about it and have been expecting it, I'm sorry that the content has not been there. Uh, that's on me. <clears throat> Too much stuff going on. But I'm always here to answer your questions still. Uh, on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You get the show links every single day. You guys get my articles that go out on Sunday, typically. And hopefully, I'll start putting out some more stuff as the season goes on. And you also get, obviously, my tweets if you follow on Twitter, which I haven't been quite as prolific this last week. I've been trying to uh, enjoy the vacation that I'm on a little bit. Still doing these shows, but I wanted to take the writing side, uh, tone it down a little bit. So that's why there hasn't been as much of a Twitter presence from me recently. Next week, we will see that start to gear up again. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. A little bit of a shorter show, quick one. Hope you guys enjoyed. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers. <laughs>